Hey, it's Matt Robeson again here at Beyond Politics, and we are bringing you part two of my conversation with Matt McNeil, an awesome radio host out of Minnesota. Yes, he's a progressive. He broadcasts every day out of KTNF AM 950. And you may be living in a place where you don't get left-leaning radio. Actually, that's probably most places in this country. That's a topic for another time. But if you're looking for that kind of radio, you can live stream him every day, wherever you are, KTNF AM, or you can find him, just search for Matt McNeil, wherever you get your podcasts. I found the Apple version. I'll put that right in the show notes. But with that, let's continue our conversation. If you missed the first part of the show, you can find it in the Beyond Politics podcast feed. We're talking about how they managed to achieve a trifecta of control in Minnesota for Democrats and what they've done with that power, why it's working so well, and what lessons the rest of us can learn. By the way, you may have noticed something a little bit funky in the show yesterday, the first part of this show. We had a little bit of an audio issue. Our crack engineering staff did their best to clean it up. We think we've mostly cleaned it up today, but my voice may still sound a little bit off at times, and you may miss a word or two here and there from Matt McNeil. And we apologize for that. So with that, here we go. One of the things that you've accomplished there in Minnesota is save democracy first, restore voting rights, voting protections. Yeah, I think what we've shown again and again is where there's a fair playing field, Democrats win over and over again because people do reject the extremes, which is what has tended to dominate the Republican Party. And look, for people like me, who come from a slightly different political background and vintage. And I do still pine for a productive relationship with Republicans. I am fine and proud to host conservatives who are consistent, ideologically intact conservatives on my show. I'm willing to have conversations with them about their policy ideas and about their social ideas because that's constructive. I'm willing to engage in anything that's constructive and I firmly believe that America is e pluribus unum, right? We are better together. And I really see these people who are on the I-94 corridor between St. Cloud and Minneapolis as my cousins, right? I really, I do genuinely want to inhabit the same country with them. I also recognize that some of them are not going to be reachable. Some of them are going to be gone. And it's because of this pernicious effect that you were just talking about. And I want to go there. And I want to talk about you. If I can, if oh, go can, ahead. If jump I, in. If I can, Before we get to you, I would no, think no. that would be the best topic. Nancy Mace is the great Republican moderate. She was just on all the shows this weekend. She was out there talking about how, oh, I, we need to stop being better to women. And then she gets a chance to vote and she just goes along with the far right of the party. I get what you're saying. And I know moderate conservatives, especially the anti-Trump, who basically... I can have conversations with them, and that's there. When you're talking about this kind of more far-right element that's yeah. out, these people want to impeach Joe Biden just because he's Joe Biden. They look then at Trump and all these indictments and say, nothing to see here. There is a bipolar nature to how they filter things, which is it's impossible to talk through it. They forced Al Franken out of the Senate because of the appearance of impropriety. George Santos, I love his volleyball career. Here he is, and they cannot get him out of the house. This is a person that clearly is unqualified to be there. And they just, because they're so terrified, they can't do it. 
they don't have he to did win them. several olympic gold medals and, just, and who could ever forget the, those moments especially i loved him in fast and furious 7 but and not to mention those historic words when he landed on the surface of the moon no i i, I get your point i so let's, i think i think that's just i think that's for me is that's the hard part is that i get it but when i have people sitting there saying you want to kill kids what and they are convinced of this that a drag queen story hour is you're just a Satan creature that's come to earth to basically ravage the lands. I'm like, no, that would be big pharma, big ag, and they've destroyed you. But still, keep going with that because no, it just they they have to wake up. And there there are some of the people that do. It's like how many times have you heard the story of a guy that says, my kid was sick. I hated the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. I hated it. And then all of a sudden, I realized I went and called and I said, oh my God, this is going to save my kid's life. And I can't believe that this was out there. And every one of my Republican friends would say, don't do it. And it ended up being this thing that saved my kid's life. I'll never question it again. You do have these wake up moments. But even in COVID, which we just had, the whole COVID crisis, you had people who were, you're dying, sir. You need to call a family. And they're screaming, you're part of the conspiracy. And you're like, how do you get to these people? And that's where my point is. I think you have, we have to come to grips that there are districts, there are areas of each state which are beyond the ability for us to get back, even though we have the best intention for them. I'm not saying we don't spend money there. You of course, build roads there. You have them good schools and all these things. But you'll never get credit for it. You'll never get any kind of satisfaction from it. And they're always going to vote for some guy that says, I think we should start a civil war. And, and so you're, I think that's the problem. It's not that I don't think that there are, because like I said, I can talk to a lot of Republicans. Especially the never Trumpers, who they're like old Reagan Republicans. You can actually relate to them and have a discussion about things. But the problem is the entire party is betrothed to the extreme far. And even when you get someone like a Nancy Mason there who says, I'm, I mean, I'm a moderate. I've been in her district quite a bit down in South Carolina. And she's, I'm a moderate, I'm a moderate. And then every time she votes with the extremist party, I think that's where you run into a problem. There. There's a lot that I want to tie together in what you just said. And where I want to land is on you, okay. Matt McNeil. There is definitely a political version of Newton's third law. There is an equal and opposite reaction. There is a tremendous amount of, let's talk about the people off that I-94 corridor. Let's talk about what's the matter with Kansas. Let's talk about the fact that Democrats in Minnesota still call themselves the farm and labor party, even though farmers and laborers are no longer the people who by and large support Democrats, but they used to. So what happened? What labor, happened? labor, labor still. I mean, the AFL-CIO, a lot of the teachers union. Okay. Teachers union, yes. What happened was the political version of Newton's third law was a tremendous amount of inertia, momentum pushed at these people from one direction and a consistent push, a long push over the course of 30, 40, gradually driving them. And in fact, there's a lot of evidence that attitudinal change, social change, mostly happens because people get really calcified in their, it mostly happens because generations change. Generations die off, new generations come about. People very rarely change. When they do change, it's because of the political version of Newton's third law. There's an equal and opposite amount of inertia pushing back the other way. The best example of this is marriage equality. We saw the most profound change in social views in the history of polling in America, where by a two to one margin, Americans opposed marriage equality. And about eight years later, it had flipped. And by about a two to one margin, Americans supported marriage equality. 
Why did that happen? It happened because of that Newton's third law, the amount of media momentum behind not just politicians talking at people and saying, tisk tisk, you really shouldn't be unredeemable bigots. It was because of a flood across media of the will and grace effect, the queer eye for the straight guy effect, and people basically saying, it's okay. We'll meet you where you are. You're not an unredeemable bigot. These are your neighbors. These are your friends. These are the people who can make you look cool. Like you look right now with your sleek dome and like your awesome like attire. These are cool people who are non-threatening and it's okay if your neighbors want to get married. Are you cool with that? Yes, I'm cool with that. Okay. That all brings me back around as I promised to you okay. because the source of all of that momentum and inertia in the conservative direction has been right-wing media. Yeah. And it, I could spew statistics at you, certainly about the influence in cable television, certainly about the influence online in social media. I could rattle these off and I've done that before on this show. But let's talk about radio. There's about 1500 conservative radio stations across the country, about 15 million Americans at a minimum tune in every week to one of the top 15 talk radio programs. They're not all ultra conservative, but overwhelmingly only one of them in the top 15 leans left. Now you're not in the top 15 yet, but you, no. you will be soon. But you have managed to carve out a place as an unabashed progressive in this space. So here's my two-part question that's about you. Why is this the case? Why are even moderate voices, let alone liberal voices, why is it so hard to crack the radio? And why have you been able to do it? Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I would say it was interesting. I started at AM 950 10, excuse me, 13 years ago on 2010. And I came in on the end of the Air America cycle. That was there. That was what really started this progressive network. And for overall, I, it was a good concept. It was a good idea. I think you can pretty much say in every major metro area, you're going to get decent ratings with a progressive liberal format just because there are going to be enough of those people there. They're, you're going to get enough there. There was an interesting thing that started to happen, and you saw it in L.A., Boston, Seattle, Denver. You saw it as conservatives were in it. And I can say this, and I'm not going to share any detail, but I know of a story. Someone walked in, a conservative walked into our radio station, pulled out a checkbook and says, how much for this station? And they just wanted to buy it straight out. Now, we were owned at that point by Janet Robert and Bill Luther, Bill Luther, the former congressman. And they said, we're not for sale. But across the country, they literally bought out every radio station, shut down Air America, shut down the progressive talk and turned it into the fifth or sixth sports talk station in this and saying, we're going to make money. And it was no, it was designed to shut down the talk. If you look at what the conservatives are very good at the long game, you look at the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that's the long game, and they were able to get that after decades of working on it. The same thing goes for media. The control of the media didn't happen overnight. They got rid of the fairness doctrine, which immediately replaced quality for ideology. Then they went and got rid of the Telecommunications Act of 1996, got rid of the ownership rules, and immediately you had three guys in a Texas boardroom controlling the formats of stations nationwide. And then, and they've not been completely successful, but they really went after public television, public radio. Because in many communities, it's the only non-conservative talk you can get. The classical music for 55 minutes and five minutes for the news at the top of the hour was such a threat to them. They didn't even want that around. We survived because 
like I said, I'll give a lot of credit to Bill Luther and Janet Robert, who owned the station. They kept it. They weren't going to let it go down. But I said, I've always said to people, it's in the to a little bit of a point, the mistake that was made by progressive media was don't be an idealist trying to do radio. Be a, be a radio person who's programming progressive talk. And I'm a longtime radio person. I've worked in radio for many years. Started in the Armed Forces military. I was at Ar U.S. Army. So Armed Forces Radio Network in Nuremberg, Germany. I was there for my end of my tour of service. I've been in small towns. I was K WGEZ in Beloit, Wisconsin, KDO in Eldora, Marshalltown, Iowa, KBJ up in Bemidji, Minnesota, KASI, KCQ in Ames, Des Moines, and then I moved back. So I knew radio. I've done every job there. I suck at sports play-by-play, -play, by the way. I am really bad at it. But I know radio inside and out, including sales, including programming and all that stuff. And I think for me, what how why I've been successful is because I sell myself. And this is who I really am. I'm not trying to be something else. I'm a radio pro who's a progressive that can convey a topic and convey an issue. I'm unapologetically Democrat. If you've got moderate Democrats, Al Gore centrists, and Paul Wellsonians, I'm an Al Gore centrist. I really consider myself part of the middle of the party. And I believe that we are trying to help people. And I, I said this the other day, and I think that if people really care about other people, not in, I'm Christian. I am just, that's me. Catholic for a long time, but the, the Council, American Council of Catholic Bishops drove me away from the Catholic Church. So, I, But I am still Christian. I believe in taking care of a fellow man, welcoming him in strangers to strangers, plants, health care, feeding the, feeding the hungry. I believe in all these things. If you truly do care about that, then you're going to be voting Democrat and you're going to be able to make a case. This whole concept of, nope, we need to only look at the wealthy people. We only look at the taxes. We need to make sure they're doing well. I couldn't ever do that even if I tried. And so success, I think a lot of my success has to do with the fact that I've never tried to shy away from who I really am. And that if you are, I'm not here to say, okay, let's give the Republicans, as you said, Republicans have radio stations everywhere. And they're sure as heck not getting Democrats anytime on those radio stations. I got one station in Minneapolis, St. Paul, that's pure progressive radio. I'm not going to spend my time talking about, let's get the good point from the far right guy. No, it's... I'm pushing, I'm pushing what I believe in, which is that democratic platform that is going to help all people. As Paul Wellstone said, an equal tide rises all boats. And that's what, where we are working for. And so I think that by embracing that, and like I said, that practicality of Minnesota, where it's just, not, no, I'm not going to hate that person. I don't want to hate that person. Even the conservatives are like, no, what do you want us to do that? If you can go out there and put forward a practical argument, then you're successful. And that's, then I've been lucky enough to be able to do that. It's so interesting that you say that about the experience of buying up the radio stations, oh, yeah. because this show used to be on WKXL in New Hampshire, owned by former Republican U.S. Senator Gordon Humphrey. And he has been subject to the same economic considerations. And he allowed me and Paul Hodes to have a center left or unabashedly left show on the air. Now, he recently reformatted away from doing politics because of those economic considerations. And we found it to be a very tough nut to crack. I frequently appear as a political analyst with Howard Monroe, who's one of those lone voices. He's in, on West Virginia radio. He's one of the only progressive voices you can find in that neck of the woods and the woods being very operative there. And I mean that in the best possible sense to our good brethren in West Virginia. 
Howard Monroe is not exactly swimming in friendly waters there. And it is incredibly hard. I do want to pick up for a second. It's interesting. You're the second Midwest unabashedly Democrat, unabashedly Christian figure that we've had on the show in the last two weeks. We had former Ohio governor Ted Strickland on last week, who is an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church. And we were talking about this exact topic, the fact that 40 million Americans have stopped attending church in the past 25 years. And the ones who are still going, Donald Trump is running away with them. He gets 85% support from white evangelical Protestant voters who attend religious services. And so it's, there is, it does go back to this disconnect that we've been talking about where we have this force of conservative media that's preaching a gospel, literally in many cases, that Jesus would not recognize. You know, what I recognize is whatsoever you do unto the least of my brethren, you do unto me. I do not recall the gospel of Matthew where it said, and also we have to cut corporate taxes because of trickle down. And so there is this pernicious effect. And yet all of these people rightfully should be with us. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. So I guess, let me get you out of here on this. You're showing in Minnesota that government by a center left coalition that's running a liberal, progressive, whatever you want to call it, agenda can work, can benefit. It doesn't go to extreme North Wokistan territory. And you're also showing that you can make it as a lone progressive in these not very friendly media waters. But where do we go from here? Even the fact that there is a sea out there, people of Americans who should be with us, we should be able to get them back. Many of them are unreachable. But how do we make more places look like Minnesota? I think people need to follow what Governor Tim Walz has done with his leadership. I'm going to give you two moderate Democrats. Dean Phillips run is currently the representative from Minnesota 3, the, basically the west suburbs of Minneapolis. And he made a lot of hay lately about calling for Joe Biden to sit down and not run and stuff like this. And I personally got mad at him because if that's not a conservative basic, a liberal basically buying the conservative talking points about Biden and pushing them, saying, oh, he can't do it. It's like this. For God's sakes, have you seen what's on the other side of the aisle? Joe Biden's got my vote. End of story. If someone challenges him and wins, damn, I'll vote for whoever that is. That's what I do. I'll vote for the Democrat because I'm not insane. It's like, uh, sure, it might not be my first choice, but I'll take the Arby's beef and cheddar as opposed to the actual craft sandwich that the Republicans are actually serving. This isn't a question, is it? So there's the thing. But Tim Walls, I don't, we have to stop having a moderate discussion where we always have to concern ourselves with the Republicans' feelings first. We have to be more like Tim Walls. Tim Walls, before he became the governor of Minnesota, was Minnesota 1. That's the very southern part of the state. Rochester, lots of farm country generally was pretty Republican down there. And he would consistently win it down there. And how? I had him on my show when he was down there and I asked him about food aid and he gave me the absolute greatest food aid answer ever. He goes, I got farmers down here who are growing apples and I got there and they're wondering where their market's going to go. I can go on down. I get the local farmer's market open. I'll get the schools in the area open. I get their product there. USDA will buy that product from him, get it to the schools. The kids get there. Kids get an apple. Farmer gets paid. Everyone's happy. What's not to like? And you're like, damn, very moderate. 
very Democrat. And that's the thing. If you're going to be a moderate, that's fine. And I can understand that. I can understand some tax principles. I can understand that maybe there are some social issues you may not like. Fine. Okay. I don't care. But when it comes to being a Democrat, wherever you're at on the thing, progressive, middle of the road, moderate, you're still a Democrat. Governor Walls gets that. And Tim Walls walked in. He only vetoed one bill. There was one bill in Minnesota that was going to raise the pay rates for the Uber and Lyft drivers in Minneapolis. Uber and Lyft were threatening to pull out of the city if that was passed. So he did not pass that bill. But if you look at that entire list, there's not veto overrides. He signed everything, including the progressive bills, because he knew what was best for the party. And he wasn't looking for victory points with the other side. And that guy just won re-election handily in the state of Minnesota. Be like Tim Walls. He's a good guy and he's a good Democrat. And if more people just accepted the fact that no matter what, the Republicans are always going to campaign against you. They're always going to hate you. They're always going to be against you. They're always going to work against you. That's just who they are. If You just have to remember that at the end of the day, if you're not defending your own political party's platform, no one else is going to do that. And the Democrats did that. And that's why we were so successful in Minnesota. Matt McNeil is very successful in Minnesota. And you can stream him absolutely everywhere. AM 950. Just Google Matt McNeil. It's so much easier these days. Just Google it. <laughs> yes. Dang it. Distance is futile. Bow down to our corporate overlords who rule well, social media and all things on the internet. And just Google Matt McNeil. You'll be doing yourself a favor. I will give you a lot of credit because in working with a mutual friend of ours, Cliff, you're, you have to find where the avenues are at. And you're finding those avenues. I think it's so important. And having shows like this, the one thing that when the Republicans tried to take over all the media, they didn't anticipate the internet, they didn't anticipate podcasts. And so stuff like this, anyone that's listening to this, make sure everyone you know is making sure they're tuning into this and pass this around and send it, send the links. That's how this stuff gets out there. And yeah, send it to that, that far right cousin and uncle you have out in rural America. They need to hear this because I guarantee you they ain't hearing it from anyone else. Send it to them. Absolutely. All right. We are going to have to have you back. We'll do all kinds of things. We'll talk about being a dad to three kids. Yeah. All the delightful problems that creates. We'll do that next time. Matt McNeil, thanks so much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.